in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct their path. Bye. We love you. I we love you. you. Thank you for all your prayers. Hey everyone, I'm Gavin. And it's me, Maddox. And this is Mac. And this is Patty. Hey Crossroads family, the Abbott family here. I'm Ted. I'm Crystal. And I'm James. I'm hey, we're, we're the, the Rogers, Rogers family. family. I'm Anthony. I'm Lindsay. This I'm, is Colton. I'm Colton. And this is Carson. Crossroads family, it's Selena. And Brian, we're the Larsons. This is Christy. This is Kate. And this is Jeremy. Hello everyone. We're the Davises. I'm Julius. And I'm Petra. Hello everybody, this is Mike and Donna Bond. We are the Larsons and my name is Mike. Nathan. And my name is Zach. Hello from the elders. Love everybody. Hello church people. And I, I miss you and I love you. Hi, I'm Carol Larson. Grandma of the Larson family. Hello, church family from the Brick Bills. Hi. <laughs> love and miss you all. Hi, Crossroads family. I love you guys. Hello, Hello everybody. everybody. This is Jasmine. Sister Kathy. Ashton. Julia. Let's have church in our homes. Hi, church family of the Hedges. We love and miss all of you so much. And we hope you all get to reconnect soon. We are the Campbells on a mission with our new addition to Costa Rica, Luke, Samantha, and baby Asher. Hello. He just turned a year old this past week, and we give God glory and honor for what he has done and, what, and this great gift that he's given us. Amen. Lift your hands, lift your voice, shout unto God today, because we have the victory. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's have some church. Amen. It's church time. Welcome back. We are so glad that you have joined us again tonight for the Crossroads After Easter Cyber Revival. And uh, tonight we welcome missionary Lynn Jewett. She is a missionary to Guatemala, and she has so many interesting stories to share with us. We're excited to hear from her tonight. And we're also excited because after Sister Jewett, we are going to have a special lesson by our King's Kids. And so King's Kids will want to stay tuned in. We're going to do that. Share this content with somebody. Uh, let them know that you're watching. And please make sure that you join us, not just for Sister Jewett and, and the King's Kids, but also join us again tonight at 6.55 p.m. We're going to go live again with a very special speaker. Uh, tonight you will not want to miss. We have evangelist Mark Winters. It's going to be a great night. We look forward to seeing you. So let's go to Sister Jewett right now. God bless Bless you. Amen. Enjoy this uh, devotional from Sister Jewett tonight. Praise the Lord, everyone. What a wonderful honor and privilege it is to be able to greet you today. Thank you, Brother Dummett, for opening this possibility. This is a whole new world, and we're doing a whole new bunch of new things, and I so appreciate having this chance to be able to share with you uh, I want to share with you a verse, a couple of verses, that the Lord kind of dropped on my heart a long time ago, but kind of gave me an insight that was brand new, a new idea that I'd never thought of before, and I thought I would just share that with you today. It's Psalms 91, verses 1 and 2. Now, I am sure most of you can already quote Psalms 91 and 1. My title, which I forgot to mention, is talking about trust, but really the title I would like to give it is Putting on the Coat. And I'm sure you're thinking, 
what on earth is putting on the coat to do with Psalms 91 and 1? Well, let me show you. Psalms 91 and 1, once you find it, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Well, I went to Guatemala. It's actually 31 years ago this week that I moved to Guatemala. I went there under the AIM program, Associates and Missions, to help the Dross family. When I got there, the Dross actually weren't even there. They were traveling in the States on deputation, and Brother Brad and Sister Regina Thompson were there, as also as Amers. So when I landed, you know, I didn't speak a word of Spanish. I came from Canada. Uh, I learned my numbers from 1 to 10 so that I could go to the market and go shopping. So I figured if I could say 5522, I could maybe buy something. I really didn't know. I was kind of clueless. But that was my plan anyway when I went. Uh, I was there for about three months. And then the Thompsons left because they were going to meet the board to also become appointed missionaries. So the Dross had not returned. They were supposed to come any day. It ended up being nine months before they actually arrived. So I remained there. I ran the elementary school in the mornings and the Bible school in the afternoon. I still really didn't speak Spanish. I was learning, but you know, being single was an advantage at the time because I didn't have anyone to speak English with. So if I wanted to eat, I learned what it was called, and I kind of learned to speak the language. And I remember doing devotions. My habit was, whatever my devotions was, I would read it in Spanish first, and then try to figure out if maybe a word or two I could understand. It was a lot of guesswork. <laughs> and then I would go to the English and read it so that I knew what it said. Well, this one time, I was reading Psalms 91. And in that verse that says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Well, in Spanish, it says, el que habita al abrigo del Altísimo. It says, he that dwelleth within the coat of the Most High. I was like, well, wait a minute. I always learned that it was the secret place. And it really left me scratching my head. And I was thinking, within the coat? Well, that took on a whole new meaning to me. Because, you know, you got to remember, I'm from Canada. I know what a coat's for. I know what 40 degrees below zero looks like. I remember as a kid, my mother never had to tell me when it was 25 below, don't forget your coat. When you opened that door, man, you closed it pretty quick, and you went and ran for your coat and your scarf, and I would wear gloves and two pair of mitts on top of that, and you'd have a scarf and a hat and a hoodie, and you would have boots and socks and several pairs of socks, because it's cold. What do you have all that on for? It's to protect you from the elements of outside, right? So that coat, man, this opened up a whole new understanding to me, because if we could dwell within the coat of the Most High, you know, it's not something that somebody tells you you have to do. It's a decision that we make. You decide, you look at the temperature today, do I need a coat or don't I need a coat? We decide for ourselves if we need that coat or not. 
And I think it's kind of fun to think that we can put on the coat with his name every single day. And that verse says, he that dwelleth in the coat of the Most High. Well, dwell doesn't mean you visit there once in a while. Dwell means you reside there. You take up residence. You spend some time. So he that takes up residence or spends some time in the coat of the Most High. Isn't that just amazing? When you think about the Most High, with all that's happening in our world today with this coronavirus, COVID-19, and how it's shut down the entire world in a matter of weeks. You know, this virus didn't take God by surprise, and it's not above and beyond him. He is still the most high. He is above anything and everything that would come against us. That's just who our God is. I hope I didn't ruin your theology in thinking about your secret place, which was the prayer closet, which is what I always <laughs> learned as I was growing up. But you know, when you put that coat on, it's to protect you from the weather and outside. But when we put on our coat with Jesus' name, we're protected from the world as well. You know, it's almost like we're in a bubble. You can be protected of the words that you hear during the day, the things that your eyes should see. But you can have on that coat of protection that protects everything that comes to your mind and your heart. I'm so glad that we have someone that we can trust in. Back to that same verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place or the coat of the Most High. We can trust in him. There's no question. If we paraphrase it, we could say it like this. He that takes up residence in the coat or the shelter. I actually went and looked up the word in Spanish this morning. Abrigo, and it said coat or shelter. So that's a protected place. He that takes up residence in the coat or the shelter of the Most High shall abide. There it is again. Abide means to stay a while under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I remember running around with my friends and we would kind of run in a circle and try to jump in the other person's shadow. But I know that when you jumped in someone else's shadow, you tried to run away and you didn't want anybody to jump in your shadow. So if you jumped in someone's shadow, you were running towards them, not away from them. So if we run towards him, we are in his shadow. We have to run close to him, not away. Back to the coat. When I think about a coat uh, in the... We hours of the morning, I couldn't sleep last night, and I was thinking about, I guess the coat was running around in my brain, and I got thinking about the most famous coat in the Bible, and that's Joseph and his coat of many colors. It was his identity. Genesis 37 and 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children, because he was the son of his old age, 
and he made him a coat of many colors. Joseph's identity was wrapped up in that coat. Anyone who saw him coming knew who he was. When he went down the path, anybody in the village or anybody around him, oh, that's Joseph, because they could see his coat of many colors. And when his brothers betrayed him and he died, that coat, that blood-stained coat, is what they took to his father. And his father grieved, thinking that his father had died, that his son had died. What coat are you wrapped up in? What is your identity? What have you identified with during this COVID-19 crisis? Are you wrapped up in the news? Are you wrapped up in all the deaths and the things that are happening around the world? Are you wrapped up in what the Lord's plan is for you? How many people can see your coat? Does your smile shine brighter than all the rest? Does your word of encouragement when you go and grab that last roll of toilet paper at the Costco or whatever it is you have in your neighborhood? Have you made an encouraging phone call to someone who might be afraid? Or have you been thinking about someone and just giving them a call and say, you know, I, I woke up this morning thinking about you and I've been praying for you and your family. I hope you're doing okay. Do you need any groceries or is there anything that I can do for you? I know we can't all greet and go out and see each other and have coffee, but do you need anything? You know, this is a time when we can reach out to those that may be looking just for an encouraging word because we can let that coat that we have on us shine bright. Verse 2. Psalms 91 verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. I don't really understand what all is happening right now, why this virus is so out of control, but I do know one thing. I can trust my Lord. I can say that he is my refuge and my fortress and that I and trust in him. I remember uh, back in the days when I was in first in Guatemala and the Dross family finally did return. They were there about a year, year and a half, and the Lord moved on Brother Dross' heart to move to Mexico City. So I stayed behind, they moved along, and I stayed there waiting for the Thompsons to arrive after they finished their deputation. And when they returned, I had a decision to make. Would I stay in Guatemala and work with them, or would I follow the dross to Mexico City? So I spent several days in prayer and asking the Lord. There was no wrong answer, but what was the right answer? And I really felt a burden for the dross family. So I packed up my things, and I headed to Mexico City. I had a pickup truck that the Lord had given me, and I headed to the border. Well, I got to the border, and uh, this is pre-cell phone age, okay? You gotta remember this. I got to the border and I did all the paperwork and I got my passport stamped and I drove the pickup truck to the gate. There was a, a board that went across and I handed everything over to the guard and he gave me a hard time for a while and then he finally said, oh, okay, just go. And so I had turned the truck off and when I put the key in to start it again, do you think it would start? No. It died right there. I had all the paperwork done. I was officially out of Guatemala. I was on the bridge. 
leaving the country. But there I sat. So the, the border guard called his friend, the mechanic. The mechanic came, no shirt, no shoes, grocery bag and two wrenches. And he popped the hood and he began taking screws out and just throwing them out, catching them, because I knew we were gonna need them later. So I'm catching all this stuff and they go, oh dear Lord, what has happened? Does this guy really know what he's doing? Oh dear Jesus, I'm praying over all the nuts and bolts because I, I didn't know what to do, what else to do. So anyway, he got it all apart and he showed me something called bushings. I, to this day, I really don't know what it is. I saw it, but whatever. It needed bushings. So I gave him $50 and I sent him on his merry way on his bicycle to the next town to buy the bushings. That was noon of the first day. He goes away and I wait and I wait and I wait. I have to pay somebody to watch the truck because I had all my belongings on the back with the tarp on it. Every time I went to the bathroom or went to get something to drink, it got dark, the border closed, everything shut down. It was eight o'clock at night and there was nobody at the border, but my truck and me and other strange people. About midnight, I found a cassette player. Yes, it was that long ago. And I had headphones and I listened to a message by Nona Freeman and I sat and listened to her until the batteries went dead. And then it was probably close to two in the morning. And I noticed there were three men that were circling my truck and they kept getting closer and closer. And I kept getting more afraid and more afraid. And I began to call on God. I said, Lord, I am here between countries. I'm not in any country right now. I'm on a bridge and I'm afraid. There's three men circling my truck. This is everything that I own. And there's only me here. I said, oh God, please wake up somebody and have them pray for me right now because I don't know what else to do. The next thing I knew, I heard horns honking and I woke up startled. I didn't even know I fell asleep. That ever happened to you? I had fallen asleep, didn't even know it. I, I jumped awake. And I looked, oh my goodness, my things, and everything looked the same, nothing looked disturbed. I was fine. The border guard came back and he said, what, you're still here? I said, yeah, the, the mechanic never came back. He said, oh, he probably took the money and got drunk. And that's what happened. So I had to pay another mechanic and another man to go with the mechanic so that he didn't, I had to pay one so that he would watch the other one that he wouldn't lose the money again. So you give half the money to one and half the money to the other and then pay them both to come back. So they came back and put the truck together. And by noon of the second day, we had the truck put back together and I was able to carry along on my merry way. About a month later, I uh, happened to be home in Canada for Christmas and I went to service. And after service, a lady, an elder lady in the church came up to me and she said, Sister Lynn, the Lord woke me up in the night on this date at this time and I prayed for three hours for you now I don't know if anything was going on but I just wondered could you tell me if anything happened during these three hours well when I calculated the time difference the three hours that woman prayed were the three hours that I slept in that truck at a hundred and some degrees with the door flung open all my things piled up behind me and God was with me. 
because I called out to him in my time of need. You see, he's ever present in our time of danger. We don't have to fear. Even in this day and age, things, a time that's unprecedented, has not happened before, we can trust him. There's a scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of my favorite. My mom wrote it in my Bible before I went uh, on the AIM program in 1989. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Life doesn't always have to make sense. But one thing I know, we can trust in him, even today. All we have to do is put on his coat and trust in him because he is our fortress and our refuge and him do I trust. Lord bless you today. Welcome back. Isn't it great that we can have peace in times of uncertainty and that with God's uh, strength and his help, he can be with us every, every step of the way, everything that we go through. We know that God is in control. And I just want to encourage you. Amen. Uh, stay tuned. We are getting ready to go to our King's Kids right now. And I'm so excited about what God is doing. There's so many great reports that we're already hearing this week, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do. You will not want to miss after the King's Kids tonight at about 6.55 p.m., you will not want to miss uh, international evangelist Mark Winters is going to be with us. He is going to be speaking to us and we are going to hear from God and we're going to respond tonight. So I just want to encourage you to stay, stick around, share this and get somebody watching with you at seven o'clock tonight. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. We're so glad that you've joined us and we look forward to seeing you very soon. God bless you. Welcome back, King's Kids. I've got another experiment for you today and another short lesson. What happens to you when you feel angry? Do you get all shook up? Does your face get all red? Do you just want to scream at the top of your lungs? What happens when you do? so angry that you punch your brother or you punch your sister or maybe that neighbor kid that's always bothering you but is that what we're supposed to do no the bible tells us that is not the way to handle things so let me read you a couple of scriptures without reading my bible i'll speak proverbs chapter 20 verse 22 says, do not say, I will pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. Did you know that the Lord was the first and the only true avenger? That's right. He said, I will get revenge for you. You don't need to go to people and be like, 
I'm gonna get you back. I'm, I'm gonna make your life miserable. You don't need to be doing that. God will take care of it. But in order for him to take care of it, when you're just ready to blow your top like that exploding soda, what do you need to do? You need to stop. You need to calm down. You need to pray and ask Jesus to help you. Help you watch your mouth. Help you help you not to say and do things you shouldn't do and help you not to be so angry at that person or that situation now I know it's hard because even kids have stuff in their life where you just don't know what to do and it's so hard to get over but that's why we want to teach you that even when you're a kid, that you can go to Jesus. That Jesus will be there with you. He will help you calm down. He will help you watch your mouth. He will help you watch your actions. But you've got to stop and pray. And you've got to stop and ask him to. Let me read you one more scripture. This one is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and it's verse 26 it says in your anger do not sin now the rest of it says don't let the sun go down while you're still angry so let's break that down I know that was pretty plain English because I'm reading this from the NIV for you guys today but it says in your anger do not sin do you know that that means God knew you were going to get angry? He already knew you were going to get angry. He knew there were going to be things in your life and you were going to get angry. But he says, in your anger, don't sin. So that's where you have to stop. Calm down and pray. And ask God to not let you say things you don't mean. Not let you do things that you shouldn't do. All because you're angry. Because he knows you're going to be angry. But he said, when you're angry, don't sin. See, there's a stopping point somewhere, and we got to find that. So if we're angry, it's best to take a deep breath. Sometimes you might have to think about ten of those. But that's okay. Calm down. Pray. Ask Jesus to help you. Because you, he knows you're going to be angry. But he doesn't want you to sin. So ask him to help you not be as angry so that you won't cross that line and go ahead and sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know that that means Jesus really wants us to fix everything before we go to bed that night. Now, sometimes when it involves another person, it's not always possible to do that. But... You should at least be able to calm yourself down to where you're not at that angry stage when you go to bed. And then if you can get with that person later the next day, or maybe even a couple of days later after you really, really calm down and then talk it out and work it out, that's good. But you don't want to be in that angry stage when you go to bed that night. 
So just remember, Jesus knew that there were going to be things that were going to make us angry. He knew that already. But he said, when you're angry, don't sin. So make sure you stop. The next time you feel your face just getting all red and you're ready to explode, stop and pray and ask Jesus to help you. Because you know what happens when you stop and you pray and you don't run off at the mouth right then and there and you let yourself calm down? You won't make as big of a mess out of things as what you did before. Look at that. A little bit of foam, but I did not get all nasty and sticky on that one. That's what happens whenever you ask God to help you calm down first. If you go spouting off the mouth right while you're angry, that's when you're going to make a big mess of things. So just remember, when you're angry, stop and pray. <laughs>